You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the four rivers of living water. They come from the book of Genesis chapter 2. The first one is the river Pishon, which is spelled P-I-S-H-O-N, and it's pronounced Pishon. It's the river of edification. The word means in Hebrew to grow up fat, to make fat. That's what edify means, to build up, to charge up, to make very healthy. Then there's the river Gihon, which means the river of revelation. Gihon means to bring forth. Then there is the river Hedekel. The word means in the Akkadian language, vehement. It's the river of power. That's very descriptive of the Tigris River, and that's what Hedekel was. It's the Tigris River. It's a raging torrent. It means very vehement, and that's the river of God's power. There's one other river left. It is the river Euphrates. That's listed in Genesis 2. But it is not the name of Euphrates that lets us know what it does. It is what the Scripture says in the book of Revelation, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I want to read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we will begin with verse 1. Therefore I exhort, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Wow. The Apostle Paul here instructs all believers to pray the prayer of intercession. Now, it's not the only prayer. There are others listed as well. But intercession is a very important kind of prayer to pray. 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man. That's what Christ is. He's an intercessor. In other words, he grabbed the hand of God and the hand of man and joined us together in the great work that he did on the cross and in his resurrection. So that's what an intercessor is. I want you to think about that. God didn't use an army to save the world. He used one man to save the world. God is really big on representatives. And he lets us see this in the very earliest pages of Scripture. When Adam sinned, he allowed a representative to make a choice for the whole human race. And all of us fell under sin. There's a reason God did that. He did that so that it would only take one person in perfect obedience to bring everybody back. So God chose to condemn the world or to judge the world when one man sinned, but he saved the world when one man obeyed. So those two things offset each other. Think then of what one man accomplished. God uses representatives to stand for whole groups of people. And here's why I tell you this. 
When you pray, often you do not think your prayers carry that much power, and especially when you're praying for something big, maybe you're praying for a city. We need to pray for our cities more than ever before, and don't think that God cannot hear, because He can. God can transform a city. We need to pray for nations. Don't think that God cannot intervene into the affairs of nations. He can certainly do this. States, governors need our prayers. Any person in authority needs the prayer of intercession. And I'm going to tell you that one person praying effectively can have a huge impact. These are the words of Mary, Queen of Scots, a woman who did not like a particular preacher. And this is what she said about him. I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the marshaled armies of Europe. Meaning that she believed, she didn't like John Knox, she didn't believe in what he preached, but she respected his prayers and she had seen his prayers come to pass. And she said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the marshaled armies of Europe. Wouldn't it be something if some political figure said today, I fear the prayers of the people of God more than any other army on earth? Wow. Could it be then that we're not praying like we should? We don't have to pray long. I think a lot of times people shy away from this because they think it takes hours and hours and hours to do anything good. That's not so. Jesus taught in his Sermon on the Mount that people are wrong when they think that they're going to be heard for their much speaking. We are not heard just because the prayer is long. Sometimes prayers are long, but it doesn't mean that they have to be. A prayer of intercession could be a quick prayer, a short prayer. It doesn't have to be long. The Apostle Paul fully expected by himself to change all the believers in Galatia with his earnest prayers. This is Galatians 4.19. Let me set the stage for you. Galatians started out with the hearing of faith. They believed on Christ. They believed they were saved by faith. Then false teachers came to them who told them that in order to be right with God, they had to be circumcised and that they had to keep the law of Moses. They began to fall into that, and they fell away from their faith in God alone. They fell under the spell of these Judaizers who were teaching people that they had to keep the law. But here's what Paul said in Galatians 4 and verse 19, ISV. My children, I am suffering birth pangs for you again until Christ is formed in you. In other words, Paul said, I am praying, and I feel like a mother giving birth when I pray. And I am praying for you till Christ be formed in you. It was the whole group of people in Galatia, not just one town, a region of people had fallen under the spell of these false teachers, but Paul prayed and fully expected that he could turn this with his prayers. Now, Paul associates these travails or these groanings with prayer. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, ISV, here's what he said. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes with groans too deep for words, and the one who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, for the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. 
Now, I, I like another translation where it says we don't know what to pray for as we ought. It doesn't say we don't know how to pray. I, I suppose you could say it, we don't know how to pray, but that doesn't mean we do not know literally how to do our prayers. Uh, we don't know what to pray for. And there are times we are not really clear on the best prayer to pray or the words that we need. And the Holy Spirit comes along and makes intercession for us. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. This is John 14, 16, and it's what Jesus said the Spirit would do. I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. The Holy Spirit is not the one who intercedes. He helps us to intercede. He gives us the words to pray for the intercessory prayer. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the intercession, why should we even try? Uh, he can pray perfectly. But because Jesus said he comes to the earth to work in the church as a helper, his intercession can't take root until we do something first. He will see to it that we are helped and that we pray the right way. But we have to begin the process. We do the praying. He does the guidance. And when we speak in tongues in our private prayers and we feel a burden, sometimes a heaviness, to pray for someone who's in need, sometimes we know who it is. Sometimes we don't. I'm telling you that it makes all the difference in the world to have the help of the Holy Spirit because He can help us to pray about things we don't even think about, don't know about. We don't even know what they are, but we don't have to. The Spirit recognizes what we're praying. The Father recognizes what we're praying, and it gets done. Now, the Euphrates is the river of revelation. I'm sorry, the river of intercession, not revelation. Uh, he, it is in Revelation we read about it. Revelation 9, verses 14, 15. I want you to think about this as we read it. Release the four angels who are bound in the great river Euphrates. And uh, in is the appropriate uh, uh, figure of speech there. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and a day and a month and a year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now those four fallen angels are in the river for Euphrates right now. They're there. And they're so wicked, they're so effective, they're such deceivers that if they get turned loose, one-third of humanity will be killed because of their lies. So the river Euphrates has them locked up. Now, it is actually the Word of God that has them locked up, but He did it in association with the river Euphrates. This is a great picture of the power of intercessory prayer. In other words, the power of intercession holds back darkness in a way that you and I cannot possibly imagine. So if you have that sense in you that there's something evil lurking, there's something, someone's in trouble, there's a heaviness about you, you don't know what it is, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words to pray. You don't have to pray out loud where you are. You can pray to yourself and to God. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that. I've had that happen on a number of occasions where I'm praying silently, but I had a sense there's somebody in trouble, and I'm interceding. 
The Holy Spirit is helping me to intercede by giving me specific words in the Spirit, words I don't understand with my mind. But I know that I'm doing good because I am setting myself to pray for someone who's in trouble. It's a supernatural form of prayer. Everything that the Spirit has been sent to do is supernatural. Supernatural. Even the moral change that takes place in us, what Paul described in first in the book of Acts chapter 23 when he told about his conversion, is supernatural, every bit of it. So even the moral changes that take place in God's people are supernatural changes. But there are times when we need to pray supernaturally. Only the Holy Spirit can help us to do that. It's going to take more than a general, God bless so-and-so, bless this person, bless that person. Listen to me. There are times when we need to get very specific and only the Holy Spirit can help us to do that. It's all the time I have for this, but we'll pick up here tomorrow. See you then. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.